Come follow me, the Savior said. Then let us in his footsteps tread. For thus alone can we This is Lexi Austin, and you are listening to The Savior Said, Season 2. This is a weekly podcast that follows my study of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Each week, I will be using the Come Follow Me curriculum of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. This curriculum can be found online at comefollowme.churchofjesuschrist.org. For more fun, follow me on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Savior Said. Please note, episodes of The Savior Said are not meant to replace your Come Follow Me experience, but to supplement your own personal study of the scriptures. Hey guys, welcome back. This is the episode for December 14th through 20th, Moroni 10, Come Unto Christ and Be Perfected in Him. And I will tell you, this is going to be a really emotional episode for me. Um, This is our last episode together talking about the Book of Mormon. We still have one more episode next week. It's the Christmas episode. But um, this is the last episode of The Savior Said, uh, discussing the scriptures. And um, I'm ready. I've got my box of tissues (laughs) with me. But there may be some waterworks because there has already been waterworks, even just like thinking about what's coming up and how this is like the end of this chapter in my life. Um, and so we're going to talk more about that, though, as we as we go into this. But this week is all about the end of Moroni, his final, I guess, request of us to really seek after the Lord and ask the Lord, is the Book of Mormon true? And, you know, that Book of Mormon promise that we talk about that's in Moroni 10 And it's one of the examples of when Moroni starts talking about like, oh, I'm not a good writer. I can't do this. I look at Moroni 10 and I'm like, Moroni, you are amazing. Like, do you not see the impact that your writing has had? So for all of those of you out there who question your gifts and question the way that our Heavenly Father uses you, don't question that because you may have an incredible impact on the people around you or the people coming after you. Okay, let's start out with the introduction. It says, The Book of Mormon opens with Nephi's promise to show us that the tender mercies of the Lord are over all those whom he hath chosen because of their faith. The book closes with a similar message from Moroni as he prepared to seal up their records. He invited us to remember how merciful the Lord has been. Even if we think about only the many mercies recorded in the Book of Mormon, this gives us a lot to think about. What examples come to your mind? You might ponder the merciful way God led Lehi's family through the wilderness and across the great waters, the tender mercies he showed to Enos when his soul hungered for forgiveness, or the mercy he showed to Alma, a bitter enemy of the church who became one of its fearless defenders. Or your thoughts might turn to the mercy of the resurrected Savior as he showed mercy to the people when he healed their sick and blessed their little children. Perhaps most important, All of this can remind you of how merciful the Lord hath been to you, for one of the main purposes of the Book of Mormon is to invite each of us to receive God's mercy, an invitation expressed simply in Moroni's farewell words, come unto Christ and be perfected in him. Okay, so mercies in the Book of Mormon that I've noticed. First of all, can we just talk about how I love the like symmetry of the Book of Mormon. I love that we open with Nephi's statement that I'm going to show you the tender mercies of the Lord. And then Moroni saying, remember how merciful the Lord has been. And I just, I love that the Lord's mercy is kind of the bookends of the Book of Mormon. I think that's really cool. And so some of his tender mercies that I have noticed this year as I've gone in and read the Book of Mormon, and this is just like 
through this reading. I'm not even going to say like, you know, yeah, Lehi and all that stuff. Yeah, that's what I would say, you know, just any time I read the Book of Mormon. But this year specifically, things I've noticed is that the Book of Mormon prophets were real people too. Um, I saw some of their flaws or some of their more human moments. And I love those moments because it helps me identify with them that, you know, you can be imperfect and you can still have an amazing relationship with our Heavenly Father. And that in those imperfections, He can still use us for good. And also in those imperfections, He still accepts us. And one day we can become perfected in Him. And that is a huge tender mercy that the Lord gives to us is that hope for perfection one day through him. And also that he will still use us even when we are goofy and imperfect. However, we may think that we are imperfect. Um, Another tender mercy I noticed is that there is hope for anyone to come back. Um, If you think about Alma the Younger, as the introduction mentioned, um, Alma the Younger is probably the farthest gone of anyone I can think of in the scriptures. I mean, prodigal son level type stuff. Um, but even worse because it was like spiritually based, I think. But he still came back. And that gives me hope that anyone who's left the church can come back. And I also think about the allegory of the olive tree that we read in Jacob, where it really talked about the Lord it never gives up. Like he's constantly reaching for us and trying to bring us back. And to me, that was such a tender mercy to know that you're never too far gone for the Lord um, because of my family situation. And there have been multiple times this year where I have felt, don't give up, Lexi. Don't give up because I was so ready giving it ready to give up. Like, just this is not going to happen. And I keep feeling the Lord tell me, don't give up, keep praying for it. So I'm I'm continuing to pray that my family comes back to the church. Um Another thing, a tender mercy I saw was that sometimes bad stuff happens to good people, but even then the Lord is always with us. And I first saw that with Nephi when his brothers were being so cruel and mean to him and his family, even though Nephi had done everything right. And I think that that probably is a better way to say it, that you can still do everything right, do everything the right way, and bad stuff still happens. But when you do everything right, you qualify to have the Holy Spirit with you, which can help soften some of those blows or help you heal from the blows that are dealt to you and helps you kind of grow and move on. And you just know that you're not alone. And that is such a blessing from the Lord as well. Um, I also have noticed in the Book of Mormon several times where the prophets needed guidance or they needed, you know, comfort or just deliverance or whatever it is, you know, the the Lord was always there for them and he always led them in the correct direction. And so I learned the value of trusting the Lord and leaning on his directions for me, even when they may not make sense at the time. And so I learned that as well. So those are some of the tender mercies that I saw this year in the Book of Mormon, some of the lessons that I learned. And I thought about those, especially as we go into the next section and come follow me. It says, I can know the truth by the power of the Holy Ghost. And it's going to go into the Book of Mormon Promise. But I think about all those times where I've experienced like those little mini lessons of like, Lexi, you can apply this in your life. And I feel the Holy Spirit kind of talking to me about like how this applies to me or how this mercy um, applies to me in my life. And I feel like those are little tiny witnesses all along about the truth of the Book of Mormon, that what we are reading is good and it's right and it's true and it's from God, you know? And then we get to the end to the Book of Mormon promise and it's like, you know, the big firework finale, I guess. Um, Come Follow Me says, 
The promise in Moroni 10, 3-7 has changed the lives of millions of people around the world. How has it changed yours? Well, every time I read the Book of Mormon, and now I'm getting into like, you know, dozens of times now, um, I do the Book of Mormon promise at the end. And when I was younger and had just read the Book of Mormon for the first time, I think maybe in seminary or so, and I did the Book of Mormon Promise, you know, the feeling was so strong. And it actually became one of the first experiences that I had with the Holy Ghost. And one of the first experiences where I actually learned like, hey, this is what the Holy Ghost feels like and um, kind of trained me to look for those different, I guess, earmarks of what, when I'm feeling the Spirit, like this is what it feels like. And since then, you know, there'll be times where I'll go in and when I hit Moroni 10, I'll, you know, ask Heavenly Father, please, you know, let me know if this is true. And sometimes it'll be, again, firework explosions. Yes, like this is true. Other times it's just a warm, comforting glow. Like, yeah, it's true. It's true. And I'm just so grateful for the Book of Mormon at that time. Um, Sometimes it's super strong. And it's interesting because This week, when I was just going through and reading on my own, I did it, and it was one of those, like, just soft, comforting, like, oh, warm heart kind of moments. And then when I went back in into Come Follow Me, and it talks about this next exercise that we're going to talk about, where it says, go in and read Moroni 10, 3 through 7, carefully examining each phrase, what does this mean? How can I do this better? What experiences have I had with this? How has the Holy Ghost manifested the truth of the Book of Mormon to me? And after I went in and like looked at the different phrases and what really stood out to me, like the experience was so much stronger. Um, So I think that really made a difference. So we're going to do that real quick. So this is again, this is Moroni 10, 3 through 7, the Book of Mormon promise, right? Behold, I would exhort you that when you shall read these things, if it be wisdom in God that you should read them, that you should remember how merciful the Lord hath been unto the children of men. From the creation of Adam, even down until the time that ye shall receive these things, and ponder it in your hearts. Okay, pause. So that's another reason I think that this was so powerful the second time that I went in and did that, because I had just gotten done writing down my notes about the tender mercies of the Lord and the tender mercies of the Lord that I saw in the Book of Mormon this year. So with that in my mind, when I go in to ask my Father in heaven, is this true? These tender mercies, the ways that you have shown these tender mercies in the lives of these people who have lived hundreds of years ago, thousands of years ago, is this true? I have a much broader base of asking, you know, these specific examples, are they true? And I have them much more ingrained in my mind, I guess. And the truth then becomes much more ingrained in my mind, I think. Okay, four. And when you shall receive these things, I would exhort you that you would ask God, the Eternal Father, in the name of Christ, if these things are not true, and you shall ask with a sincere heart, with real intent, having faith in Christ. I think those three things are key. You ask with a sincere heart, real intent, and having faith in Christ. Because again, before I'd always ask like, oh, is the Book of Mormon true? And, you know, kind of just expecting to get the answer yes, you know. And so it was kind of a lukewarm question. So I kind of got a lukewarm response. Whereas this time I sat down and I was like, Heavenly Father, this is me sincerely asking with real intent. And I have faith, Father. I have faith that you can answer. And he did. He manifested the truth of it unto me. Um, and I, the witness that I got was so much stronger when I sat down and like, I almost literally like word for word repeated like what that scripture says. I have a sincere heart. I'm asking with real intent and I have faith. Please let me know if this is true. And he did. 
Five is, and by the power of the Holy Ghost, ye may know the truth of all things. Six, and whatsoever thing is good and just and true, wherefore nothing that is good denieth the Christ, but acknowledgeth that he is. And that is the one thing that even, you know, in my darkest moments where I'm like, I don't even know if there is a God or, you know, I don't even know if the church is true, like darkest moments of my life, I have clung to that concept that everything that is good and true and right points to God and points to Jesus Christ. And it points to light in my life. And so clinging to those things are what has gotten me through some of the darkest moments of my life. And, you know, questioning if the Book of Mormon is true or not, it acknowledgeth that Christ is. It teaches us so much about Christ and about his character and who he is personally to us and to our Father in heaven, what his atonement does for us, And it just gives us such a complete picture of his atonement and his beautiful sacrifice. I'm like, how could it not be true? You know, the amount of beauty and mercy and grace that radiates from Christ through the Book of Mormon, um, there's no way it couldn't be true. All right. And then seven says, and you may know that he is by the power of the Holy Ghost, Wherefore, I would exhort you that you deny not the power of God, for he worketh by power according to the faith of the children of men, the same today, tomorrow, and forever. And God is the same back when Nephi was sailing across the seas as he is today. And I just love that. Um, some additional materials that I read that I thought would be very really helpful in this whole you know Book of Mormon question experiment is actually in the appendix A of Come Follow Me. So like when you flip to the back of your book, there's an appendix there that's got like different like materials. And appendix A is how does the spirit witness to me that the Book of Mormon is true? And it had several different like ways that you can see that the Book of Mormon is true or the ways that the spirit can manifest in your life. And I thought that was really interesting. Um, The first one is gratitude and joy. And I was like, wow, Um, because, you know, I was just expecting, you know, the little warm feeling in my heart, fireworks exploding in my heart. But as I've gone through and read the Book of Mormon this year and really delved into the lessons and the different things that we've learned, that is really what I have felt. And not in just one instant when I've asked the Lord if it's true, but I have felt all year long so much gratitude for the Book of Mormon for the people who lived in it, um, the prophets who lived in their stories that are alive, that wrote down their stories and passed them on to us, I feel so much gratitude. Gratitude for the gospel that's contained in it, the messages that we have, the knowledge of our Savior that's contained in it. And that gives me so much joy. So then my Book of Mormon testimony experience isn't limited to just like one little moment where I ask Heavenly Father the question, is it true? But it is actually the entire year that I've been gaining that testimony of gratitude and joy of the Book of Mormon. Um, The appendix actually says, The Book of Mormon opens with the prophet Lehi seeing a marvelous vision. In this vision, he was given a book and invited to read. As he read, the record said, he was filled with the Spirit of the Lord. This experience led Lehi to praise God for his power and his goodness and his mercy. And Lehi's soul did rejoice and his whole heart was filled. Have you ever had a similar experience? Has reading the Book of Mormon ever filled your heart with gratitude for God and His goodness and mercy? Have passages in the Book of Mormon ever caused your soul to rejoice? These feelings are from the influence of the Spirit testifying to you that the words you are reading come from God and teach His truth. 
I thought that was so beautiful. Another way that we can see the power of the Book of Mormon is in a changed heart. Um, It says, after preaching a remarkable sermon about the atonement of Jesus Christ, King Benjamin wanted to know if his people believed the words which he had spoken unto them. They responded that they did believe his message. Why? Because of the spirit of the Lord omnipotent, which has wrought a mighty change in us or in our hearts, that we have no more disposition to do evil, but to do good continually. Maybe you have noticed something similar in your heart as you have read the Book of Mormon. Okay, pause there. So one of the things that I noticed this year was, you know, we went from being together every Sunday and talking about Christ and everything with church to all of a sudden going into lockdown and talking about Christ and rejoicing in Christ and praising Christ and following Christ all of a sudden became something that was very much us and we had to do it on our own. And not that I wasn't doing it already on my own, But I found that my heart changed in the way where I was like constantly seeking after my father in heaven. My arms were outstretched to him so much more fully um, because of the things that I was reading in the Book of Mormon and knowing that I had to cling to him because it was up to me. You know, there wasn't going to be a sacrament meeting where I could go and be uplifted. I had to uplift myself through my study of the Book of Mormon and come follow me, you know, so that was something where I saw my heart was changed, where I was like, I'm taking this upon me now. I'm not going to be acted upon. I'm going to act to find the truth of Christ and to find, you know, the spirit in my life. Okay, going back to our little appendix article here. It says, for instance, you may have felt inspired to be a better person, to turn away from sin, or to do something kind for someone. This is the spiritual witness you are looking for, that the Book of Mormon is inspired of God. For as Mormon taught, Everything which is good and enticeth to do good and to love God and to serve him is inspired of God. All right. The next evidence of the truth of the Book of Mormon in your life is an enlightened mind. It says, when Alma wanted to help the Zormites experiment upon his words and know for themselves whether his testimony was true, he compared the word of God to a seed. If you give place that a seed may be planted in your heart, he explained, it will begin to swell within your breast. And when you feel these swelling motions, you will begin to say to within yourselves, it must needs be that this is a good seed or that the word is good for it beginneth to enlarge my soul. Yea, it beginneth to enlighten my understanding. Yea, it beginneth to be delicious to me. That was something I saw this year too, that I began to crave the Book of Mormon and crave the things I was reading and crave scripture study in that time with my Heavenly Father. Um, I definitely made place in my heart, I think, for the truth of the Book of Mormon. Um, it says, you give place in your heart for the words of the Book of Mormon when you allow them to influence your life and guide your choices. How will these words enlarge your soul and enlighten your understanding? One of the ways that I saw that happen, and I mentioned already the allegory of the olive tree from Jacob, but that was really one of the moments where I had something where I'd always just skipped over that whole allegory because it was so annoying to me. I'm like, I don't understand. It's stupid trees. Like, why do I even care about this? And I'd always skipped over it in the past. But this year when I really delved into it and put in the work and put it in my heart, I realized that it's the story of God's redemptive love that he keeps coming after us no matter what. He is always after us. And 
that was beautiful to me. And it took the story of like this dead and dried up olive tree, kind of like my dead and dried up heart was towards the olive tree, and brought it to life and put that beautiful truth in my heart. And so that's kind of, you know, it enlightened my understanding of the allegory of the olive tree. And that was beautiful. Okay, going back to the appendix, it says, you might sense that you are becoming spiritually stronger. You might feel more loving and open towards others. You might also notice that you understand things better, especially spiritual things, almost as if a light is shining in your mind. And you might agree that the doctrine taught in the Book of Mormon is delicious. Such feelings can help you understand that you have truly received a spiritual witness of truth. And as Alma declared, oh then, is this not real? I say unto you, yea, because it is light, and whatsoever is light is good. Because it is discernible, therefore you must know that it is good. You do not have to wonder if the Book of Mormon is true or not. Even if you don't get like that fireworks display, I guess, in your mind or in your heart, um, those are other ways that you can feel the Book of Mormon's truth in your life. And I loved that article again because it talked about all the little ways that my testimony has grown of the Book of Mormon as we've gone throughout the year, not just that one instance at the end. Um, President Russell M. Nelson promised us, you don't have to wonder about what is true. You do not have to wonder about whom you can safely trust. Through personal revelation, you can receive your own witness that the Book of Mormon is the Word of God, that Joseph Smith is a prophet, that this is the Lord's church. Regardless of what others may say or do, no one can ever take away a witness born to your heart and your mind about what is true. And that's from his talk, Revelation for the Church, Revelation for Our Lives. Okay, the next section in Come Follow Me that I kind of looked at this week was Deny Not the Gifts of God. It says there are many ways a person might deny the gifts of God. Some people deny that these gifts even exist. Others might deny that they have spiritual gifts, but recognize them in other people, and still others deny their gifts by simply neglecting them or failing to develop them. As you read Moroni 10, 8-25, look for truths that will help you discover your spiritual gifts and use them with greater power to bless yourselves and others. So, I go in and I read about the gifts, and um, my patriarchal blessing has told me about some gifts that I have, and uh, the ones that I always pick out are the ones that I already kind of know that I have, and it's nine and ten. For behold, to one is given by the Spirit of God that he may teach the word of wisdom, and to another that he may teach the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. Because, of course, knowledge and wisdom are two different things, but I've been blessed. I've been told my patriarchal blessing, blessed with the gift of wisdom so I can serve others, and then also the ability to teach that wisdom and knowledge to others is something I believe I've been given. So then it says to seek insights about the gifts God has given you or the gifts he wants you to seek. Why is it important to remember that every good gift cometh of Christ? Because I believe that we use our gifts in the service of others. And when we get a gift from Christ, it's not for us. It's not for us to hoard and keep to ourselves. Yeah, that gift of wisdom I can use for myself, but when I have the strongest experiences of it actually like manifesting, I guess, is when it's in the service of others, of when I'm leading or teaching others and um, doing my best to lead them to Christ or to righteous principles is really when I feel that gift kind of enlarge. And so I, I see it so much more when I'm serving others. And I think that that is how we know it's of Christ because it's good and it teaches us to serve others and to reach out to others. Also, 
interesting. They have this quote from Elder John C. Pingree Jr., um, and it's from his talk, I Have a Work for Thee, from November 2017 in the Ensign. And it says, so how do we come to know our gifts? We can reference our patriarchal blessing, ask those who know us best, and personally identify what we are naturally good at and enjoy. Most importantly, we can ask God. He knows our gifts since he gave them to us. And that's really where I think I finally picked up that I kind of have a knack for teaching was by talking to my Heavenly Father and looking at things that I enjoyed doing and um, kind of just growing that gift is something that I've done over the past like couple of decades and um, it's something I really enjoy. Okay, that pedigree talk is really good and I actually recommend that you go in and read it because it has a whole lot more to say, especially if you are struggling to figure out what you need to do next or what are the next steps in your life or how do you use your gifts. Um, go in and read that because it's got a lot of really good advice. And in fact, I was thinking this week about, you know, I want to do something next year with my scripture study where I continue to delve so deeply into the scriptures. And I don't think I will do it if I'm just on my own. I need some way to hold myself accountable. And, you know, last week in our interview with Brianne, Brianne talked about journaling, and she was the second person who had talked about journaling in my week that week. And so I was like, well, maybe I need to be journaling. And so I thought a lot about journaling, but then I thought, what if I do it online? What if I blog? I have the Savior Said blog or something like that. And there were so many reasons I could think of not to do it. Um, things like I have too much going on. I can't handle one more thing. I'm not a good enough writer. It's hard. I will take forever on each article because I'm going to be like looking at every space and punctuation mark and grammar and all that stuff. And then there are so many other good writers out there. What do I have that I could actually contribute? There are so many other Come Follow Me blogs out there. What do I have that I could say anything different or special? Um, and so all of that was kind of going on in my head and kind of telling me like, no, Lexi, don't do it. And then I go in and I start reading this John Pingree talk and he has this quote in it and it says, Satan also seeks to distract us with less important matters. The Lord warned an early church leader, your mind has been on things of the earth more than on things of me and the ministry whereunto you have been called. Are we so preoccupied with worldly things that we are diverted from our divine assignments? That was me saying, oh, I have too much going on. I don't have time for this, right? What What is most important? Um, and I think a blog would be less time, honestly, than a podcast because I could just write a few sentences here and there. Um, so that's kind of the way I'm leaning. Okay, going back into Pingree. Here we go. In addition, Satan discourages, discourages us with feelings of inadequacy. He makes our work appear too difficult or too intimidating However, we can trust God. He loves us. He wants us to succeed. He doth go before us and he will be with us and he will not fail us. That is something I saw when I first started the podcast because I was like, I don't know if I can do this. Um, I definitely don't think I can do it on my own. Um, I don't know who will listen to me. It'll probably be like my mom and like three friends. And that's it. That's Those are the only people who will download the podcast. And then last week we hit 160,000 downloads. Um, that's a whole lot more than just my mom and three friends. And I feel like God has been with me every single step of the way. He has led my hands and my voice and my mind as we've gone through all the different material. And he's been with me. And I think when we apply our gifts to something in his service, he's with us. 
So that whole thing about I'm not good enough, I don't have anything unique to share, there's already so many other blogs, why would he want me to do that? I'm like, okay, that's Satan. That's not my Heavenly Father talking. That's that's Satan's voice, right? It says, Satan discourages us with feelings of inadequacy. He makes our work appear too difficult or too intimidating. That is exactly what I was feeling. Inadequate, too difficult, too intimidating. But God wants us to succeed. Satan may also coax us to view our work as less valuable than the work assigned to others. There again, I was like, oh, I don't have anything I can contribute. All their other like blogs out there are so much better than mine. Um, I had the same feelings when I started the podcast. There's so many other podcasts out there that are better than mine that everyone should be listening to instead of mine because I'm so goofy and quirky. And, and it just made me think like, okay, well, you know what? You are goofy and quirky, so own it. And that can be your like little quirky spot in the podcast universe. So I'm like, well, maybe that will be my spot in the blog world too. We'll see. All right. But every assignment from God is important, Pingree says, and he we will f- find fulfillment as we glory in that which the Lord hath commanded us. So I think I'm going to do the blog. I, I still am not 100% sure. We're going to try it and see how it goes. Um, so you can be looking for that either the saviorsaid.com or the saviorsaid.blogspot.com like early January. I'll probably start blogging then. Okay. Um, next up. I can be perfected through the grace of Jesus Christ. Moroni's admonition to come unto Christ involves more than learning about him or thinking about him more often or even trying harder to keep his commandments. As important as these things are, rather, this is an invitation to come unto Christ in the most complete sense possible, to become as he is. As you read Moroni 10, 30-33, Notice phrases that help you understand what it means to come to Christ completely. Let's read it, shall we? Here we go. And again, I would exhort you that you should come unto Christ and lay a hold upon every good gift and touch not the evil gift nor the unclean thing and awake and arise from the dust, O Jerusalem, yea, and put on thy beautiful garments, O daughter of Zion. Strengthen thy stakes and enlarge thy borders forever that thou mayest no more be confounded that the covenants of the eternal Father which he hath made unto thee, O house of Israel, may be fulfilled. Yea, come unto Christ, and be perfected in him, and deny yourselves of all ungodliness. And if you shall deny yourselves of all ungodliness with love, and love God with all your might, mind, and strength, then is his grace sufficient for you, that by his grace you may be perfect in Christ." And if by the grace of God you are perfect in Christ, you can in no wise deny the power of God. And again, if you by the grace of God are perfect in Christ and deny not his power, then you are sanctified in Christ by the grace of God, through the shedding of the blood of Christ, which is in the covenant of the Father unto the remission of your sins, that you become holy without spot." How beautiful is that? I'm like, Moroni, who was so worried about his language and not being able to write beautiful things. I'm like, that is gorgeous. So, so gorgeous. I love it. Um, And then Come Follow Me asks, when you go in and you read that, what are some of the things that you see that helps you understand what it means to come to Christ completely? And what I saw there was to love God with all your might, mind, and strength. And that was come follow me. We'll ask a little bit later, like, what do you need to do to become perfected in Christ? What do you need to work on personally in your own life? And that was one of the things that came to me was like, I need to cling to God. I need to seek him first. 
whenever something goes wrong or something's hard, instead of trying to figure it out on my own and like being stumped and then going to him, um, he needs to be my first stop. Like, you know, okay, this is kind of hard. I need to turn to him automatically. And then, you know, with his help, kind of puzzle things out and then bring back an answer or whatever. But um, that I need to turn to him first and foremost. And he needs to be my first priority. And also that the word abide um, kind of stuck with me, that I just need to abide with him in my life and ask him to abide with me in my life. Um, That was something else that came to me as well. So all that... So good from Moroni, who said he can't write anything. Oh, he's so, so good. Okay, so now we're going to go ahead and wrap up the episode. Um, The very last scriptural episode of The Savior Said. And this is where I get teary because this has been an amazing journey for me as I've grown in my testimony of the gospel, as I've had the chance to interact with so many of you, um, as you've let me come into your homes and into your minds and into your ears um, each week, I am so grateful for you supporting me and allowing me to be there as part of your Come Follow Me experience. Um, I hope to continue that in some way in the future, but I'm so grateful for the opportunity that I had to do this podcast, and I'm, I'm so, so grateful for the Book of Mormon, for the power in it, and for the knowledge that it gives us of our Savior and of the people who have lived and died testifying of him. And that would be my hope for my life, is that I live testifying of him in everything that I do. So I leave that testimony with you as I leave this podcast. Our Savior lives. He knows you. He loves you. He wants you to come back to him. Our Father in heaven knows you. He loves you and he wants you to come back to him. So come unto him, be perfected in him, and look to him in all things. And that's my testimony that I leave with you. I love you guys. Bye, y'all. The Savior Said is not an official product or endorsed by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. All comments and opinions are my own personal opinions and not representative of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. The music used in The Savior Said is Fireflies and Stardust by Kevin McLeod. The hymn quoted in the opening is Come Follow Me, lyrics by John Nicholson. The Come Follow Me curriculum can be found at comefollowme.churchofjesuschrist.org. For show notes, new episode alerts, and other fun and inspirational things, check out my Facebook page at facebook.com slash thesaviorsaid. You can also find me on Instagram comments or question, email me at thesaviorsaid at gmail.com. Content in The Savior Said is copyright protected. All rights are reserved. Thank you for listening.